and Levi got up and followed. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Mark chapter 3, and reading from verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again. Are you still awake? Look lively. Right. Well, here we are in the second week of our sermon series, On Your Marks, looking at Mark's gospel in relation to some helpful themes and that link in with the Olympics. So I thought I would begin with some Olympic TV commentary howlers for us because they're quite funny. Now, I did these at 9 o'clock, and they took some warming up. So, even if you don't get it, just laugh along enthusiastically, because it increases the sense of um, atmosphere. Okay, so the first one then, the Republic of China, back in the Olympic Games for the first time. Now, I got the same reaction the first time. How can you be back in something for the first time? Shall we try it again? The Republic of China, back in the Olympic Games for the first time. Oh, that's marvellous. Brilliant. You'd be good on canned laughter, wouldn't you, you lot? Right. Second, that's the fastest time ever run, but it's not as fast as the world record. (laughs) You see, you're getting into it now. Old Olympic skiers never die, they just go downhill. They're making great strides in the swimming. <laughs> the late start, <laughs> the late start in this final is due to the time. <laughs> Watch the time, because it gives you an indication of just how fast they're running. That was Ron Pickering. And the final one, which you've probably heard of for, you won't win silver medals at the Olympic Games unless you're the very, very best. <laughs> Well, not quite, you won't. Well, the 2012 Olympic Games have begun, if you hadn't noticed. And if you hadn't noticed, you must have been living 
in a cave. This week, you may have watched it, there was a special Olympic episode of Absolutely Fabulous, or Ab Fab. And when Adina is questioned as to how she could have possibly missed the beginning of the Olympic Games, she replies, well, it's been everywhere for seven years. Will we get it? Won't we get it? Will it be built? Won't it be built? Will we win? No, we won't. Excuse me if I miss it actually starting. It's been like tinnitus. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, that news about the Olympics has, uh, just hasn't gone away. And uh, it's been never-ending. Well, it's actually here now, and uh, they've begun. And I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching the opening ceremony. It was a, quite an amazing spectacle, and it made me, again, proud to be British. And I think we need to celebrate those things. And I think the church has a role in celebrating the good things about our nation. And yesterday, we were in London for one of the Olympic events. And it was a fantastic occasion, great, great fun, very well organized, and, uh, and a wonderful event. But it reminded me, and you couldn't fail to notice it actually, what a huge number of people have been and still are involved in these games. A huge number. It's incredible. And I'm not just talking about the sportsmen and women. All sorts of people behind the scenes too. If you were a member of this huge Olympic team, what would you be doing? What would your contribution be? Would it be security? We need security people. Would it be construction? Health and safety? Mark, it would be probably health and safety, wouldn't it? Would it be cycling? Running? Jacob would probably be running. Tennis? Football? Catering in the massive food hall? IT? Steve would probably be doing IT or managing the whole thing. Logistics? Medical? You know, there's a whole list of things that go on and on and on. And in a project and a team of this size, there's room for all of our talents, all of our skills. What a vast project to be part of. Do you crave the chance to be part of something big? I mean, really, really big. Do you relish the opportunity to make a difference to people's lives, to your community, to this community, to your family, to your workplace? Do you want to be part of a team that can change the world for the better? I really hope so, because if you're not, and if you don't, then I'm not sure you're in the right place. In the snippets from the three chapters of Mark's Gospel, we see that Jesus, he's come to initiate a huge project, but not simply a world event like with the Olympics. We're talking about a world-changing event. Jesus came to declare the good news of God, Mark tells us, to demonstrate in words and actions God's life-transforming love. But Jesus didn't come to do it alone. He wasn't a one-man show, was he? He came to build a team, a team that he coached, that he encouraged, that he inspired, and he sent out to do his work. 
a team that will take on God's mission of love to the world. Is that big enough for you? Might that get your adrenaline pumping? Might it get your heart racing, your brain whirring? The three sections of Mark's gospel illustrate three important aspects of how we become part of this team, part of this world-changing event. And it illustrates how we become an important member of that team and how and why that team was formed in the first place. So we're going to look at the three sections together. Firstly then, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Now Mark's barely begun his account of Jesus' mission when he tells us that Jesus called others to share in it with him. All through the gospel from that point on then, Mark will not simply tell the story of Jesus. He then goes on to tell the story of Jesus and his disciples. Jesus and his team. Jesus shares his mission with other people. And as the gospel goes on, we'll see that this team will be as much of an embarrassment as it will be a help to Jesus. But Jesus is committed to them as they are to him. And when Jesus is gone, long gone, his ongoing mission depends on that team. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me, I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous that we'd ever get to where we are today through that group of people. I mean, you can see the, the dilemma, can't you? That fragile group of people, it was dependent on them. And yet Jesus used them. He chose them. And this ongoing mission has gone on and on and on. And that's where we come in. Have you and I responded to Jesus' invitation to follow him, to be an active member of this team? Have we said yes, but done little or nothing about it? Have we done the equivalent of putting our necks down like those first disciples? We've left some of our old ways, but little more. Have we made this mistake to imagine that saying, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus, is just a decision to be made in our minds without requiring radical and practical decisions as to how we live and how we follow Jesus and how we become an active member of his team? Or have we offered to lay everything down to become part of the team? Simon and Andrew don't take much persuading, do they? Maybe they've seen and heard enough of Jesus to make their decision in a flash. Maybe they've been longing for this moment. Maybe they've been thinking, you know, if he asks me, you know, I'm going to know in the blink of an eye, I'm going to go with him. Maybe it was like that. And so the first disciples of this amazing team are chosen. A team that would ultimately grow and grow and grow until we became a part of it at this time in this place. Simon and Andrew leave their nets, James and John leave their father's boat and the crew, and Mark spells out for us what it meant for those first disciples to become followers of Jesus. The safe, predictable life 
that ordinary life of work and family gives way to a life on the road with no visible signs of income or support. And in the end, they face the shame of abandoning their master to the cruel fate he faced in Jerusalem. Does it sound familiar to hear echoes of your own story in that of those first disciples? I know I do. Wanting, really wanting to follow Jesus and yet so often failing miserably. Has the safe predictability of your life or my life turned into an adventure following Jesus wherever he calls us to go? Have we let go of our means of support and security and given them to him in order to trust him and fully and completely depend on him? What in truth have we left for Jesus? Anything? What is he asking you to leave at the moment? And does Jesus matter enough to you to take risks for him? Does he matter enough? You know, it's clear from Mark's gospel that how we answer these questions will demonstrate how much we want to be part of Jesus' team. But once on the team, we're given this new common purpose that each of us can do in our own way, using our own gifts and talents. We're to be a fisher of people. This is what Jesus promises to make every single one of us. We're to catch people for the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus did for Simon and Andrew and you and me, we're to catch people in their native waters where they are and help transfer them to this new life in Jesus Christ. We're to enable other people to leave their old lives of safe predictability and begin a life-changing adventure with Jesus wherever that will lead. And so, as we look to grow and develop as a mission-shaped church, one that looks to nurture church for people who are just not interested in the Christian faith or in church, how can we incorporate being a fisher of people more into every aspect of our lives? The future of the church is dependent on how we do this. We've seen it. So how can you and I be a fisher of people at work, or with our families, or with our network of friends. Now, we've promised over the months and years ahead as a church to explore those issues together, and we will do. But we need to commit to engage with those issues in our own lives, and, and we need to begin to think and pray about how we can practically work on those. Moving on then, let's take a brief look at the second section, Mark 2, beginning at verse 13. And Mark tells a story of the call of Levi, a tax collector. Jesus says to him, follow me. Now, tax collectors are probably never very popular. They certainly aren't popular today. And in Roman Palestine, at the time of Jesus' life and ministry, their reputation stood at an all-time low. And so the linking of tax collectors and sinners would come naturally to Jesus' contemporaries because they formed a sort of underclass right on the margins of society. They really were despised. And Levi is the only disciple whose call is specifically recorded in, um, after those initial four of 
Simon and Andrew and James and John. And so this calling of this tax collector was so uh, noteworthy that Mark thought, I really better include this in my gospel story. But like Peter and the others, Levi left his job to be with Jesus, and his reputation followed him. We can only imagine how the disciples, who'd already joined this team, responded to the inclusion of a tax collector. Maybe it raised an eyebrow or two, or maybe more. But Jesus uses this to set his team the example of carrying unconventional behavior to the point of scandal. It was bad enough for Jesus to give a tax collector the instruction to follow him, but when this tax collector throws a party to which he invites um, his own sort of network of friends to, and Jesus goes along as well, well, the onlookers, they couldn't bear it any longer. The calling of Levi and this subsequent dinner party illustrates that anyone and everyone can be a member of Team Jesus. Anyone and everyone. So how would the U.S. respond to the news that that young guy has decided to embark on an adventure with Jesus Christ? The young guy who shot those poor victims in the cinema. Anyone and everyone. It's quite outrageous. And yet, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone and everyone can be a member of Team Jesus. Even you and me. Jesus will involve anyone who's willing to embark on an adventure with him. But of course, it involves so much turning away from old lives, turning away from the things that are in opposition to Jesus Christ and saying yes to so many things, whatever Jesus wants for our lives. And let's face it, being a member of Team Jesus might involve being counter-cultural and going against expected behavior. And so as members of Jesus' team today, are we prepared to do this? And like Jesus, are we prepared to go fishing for people on the margins of the lake or the sea, the margins of society, to enable the despised, the scorned, the hated, the lowly, those regarded as sinners who are quite out of the reach of God's love, to leave their old lives of safe predictability and begin a life-changing adventure with Jesus Christ. And if so, what practical things can we begin doing that will make this possible? And let's face another thing here. Unless we're on this life-changing adventure with Jesus Christ ourselves, it's pretty impossible to lead somebody else into it. We want to take people where all we're already heading. We want people to join us on the road where we're already walking or running or creeping. So what do we need to do? Being here today may be a wonderful expression of our faith, 
It may build us up and encourage us, but it's not doing much for people like Levi being sat here now, is it? And so thirdly and finally, we come to Mark 3, verses 13 to 19. Here Mark highlights the selection of a task force for the development of Jesus' mission, not just whilst he's with them, but after he's gone. This is the foundation of the church. It's how the church has been built, and it's why we're here today. Because Jesus sends his team to declare God's goodness and to demonstrate his life-changing love. And that's ultimately what people have done through the ages and for us too. Members of Team Jesus are sent to share in the activities which made Jesus famous. Like those first members of Jesus' team, we are to give the same message as him. We have the same authority to do things in his name. It's an incredible responsibility. And is this motley, imperfect team? We might feel rather inadequate, unworthy, and very ill-equipped. And so how on earth will we manage it? Where will we find the strength, the courage, and the inspiration that we need? Well, before anything else, Jesus gives, gives his team a task on which all the others depend. And you can see this in Mark chapter 3, verse 14. I encourage you to look at it because it's so easy to miss it. Look at it when you're at home or look at it now. He asks us this one simple thing, to be with him, to be with him. And so what does that mean for us? Well, as a church community, we're realizing more and more that our whole life, our growth and development as a church and our individual lives as followers of Jesus Christ depend first and foremost on us being with him, searching for him, finding ways to hear from him, spend time with him, talk to him, learn from him, be inspired and challenged by him. Being with Jesus will mean getting closer, allowing him to lead us into new things, fresh experiences, uncharted territory. Being with him will enable us to receive God's love in fresh ways and to give our love in return. Being with him will enable us to discover the ways of Jesus and to have the courage to take the risks he wants us to take. Being with him will propel us into new ways of serving him. If you and I want to be a member of Team Jesus, to be part of something big, and I mean really, really big, then we need to do one simple thing, to be with Jesus. Do whatever it takes. If Getting closer to Jesus means you walking a mountain or going on a cycle ride or chatting with someone over coffee, then do it. If it means going in a quiet room and shutting the door, then I encourage you to do it. Or listen to music or pray with friends. Let's delve into God's word together. Let's hear from God. Let's receive from God. Let's want to be closer to Jesus and let's do all we can to make sure that that happens. Once we're doing this, once we 
are with Jesus. Then we'll know where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. And we'll have the resources to do it. And so this is my call to us as a church community. Let's make this our priority. Let's follow his instruction. Be with me. Let's be with him and see where that takes us and see where the adventure leads. Amen.